Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another Nacho Tuesday. And today I have Kanad here with Send Potion. And without further ado, Kanad, if you can, we'd love to learn a little bit more about what Potion does in a quick uh, minute elevator pitch. Sure thing. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for having me on Nacho Tuesday. It's, yeah, uh, I know it's it's a super fun program, and uh, I've been following Nacho Nacho for quite some time now. Uh, I had the pleasure to meet Sanjay a long time ago. <laughs> I don't think he even remembers me. So, uh, so thank thank you for having me on. Um, I'm Kanad, uh, founder and CEO of Potion. And um, Potion is a generative video AI platform, which is a fancy way of saying that our AI allows folks to create, update, edit, generate videos using only text input. And uh, our first application is for salespeople, sales teams, uh, selling B2B pro products uh, to their prospects. Uh, we help them personalize videos at scale. Very cool. Uh, so what got you uh, uh, down this path in your career? What got you into AI besides uh, it being the hottest buzzword around these days? <laughs> uh, I think the AI thing, AI bug, if you will, I think it was Evan Shapiro and uh, David Jensen's who, uh, who were the founders of Knit Health. Um, uh, I give that credit to them, actually. Um, so before uh, starting Potion, I was working at Google. And before Google, uh, I was working at a small startup in San Francisco called Knit Health. And they uh, built a camera that could detect sleeping and breathing disorders in kids who have those disorders, like sleep apnea and stuff like that. Uh, it was a very rewarding project. And uh, I got to see firsthand how the team implemented AI solutions in the hardware. Uh, really almost impossible to solve problems uh, that were like being solved using AI. And I was uh, completely obsessed uh, after that. So that was the germination of the idea. And after that, I was playing around with a handful of other startup ideas and realized that if you send someone a personalized video, uh, they are way more likely to engage with you. Yep. But it's impossible to scale this approach. So we decided to apply the learnings of that customer experience with the AI learnings uh, to build the potion. So that, that's how it started. Definitely. Yeah, I'm interested in learning more about how, how does it work, actually? Can you, can you tell our audience uh, uh, how, how the platform actually operates? Absolutely. So as a user, uh, you record a video using your front camera, just like this one. And once you record the video, you select parts of the video that you want to personalize. Uh, you might uh, have things like the greeting that you want to send uh, that meets personalization or the company name or the background of the video uh, to personalize, to be personalized for the recipient's website. So you record a video template and Potions AI automatically just personalizes that video template to thousands and thousands of people. Um, just, it's super easy to use. <laughs> That's really interesting. So you could, um, <clears throat> you know, for instance, maybe change the intro line. So you could say, you know, hey, Kanad, um, and then I could uh, send a video to my CEO and say, hey, Sanjay, and it would be, you know, me on camera, but it could just uh, do like a voiceover on it too. Correct, uh, that's exactly it actually. Like we do the voiceover as well as accurate lip sync. So, uh, Usually, a like, typical use case is somebody records a video like, hey there, this is John uh, sending a video from my company, blah, 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 here's my sales pitch. Uh, Potion takes that video, changes that hey there to hey Andy, hey John, hey Jenny, without you actually creating entire videos from John, Jenny, etc. And uh, it also sends the video on the right domain and like customize the picture-in-picture -picture mode to match the user's 
uh, background and stuff like that. So it customizes the entire web page uh, for the recipient that you're sending. Yep. And why is uh, personalization so important today? I mean, uh, as as the world goes more into automation, I feel like anybody that actually works and focuses on personalizing their approach and marketing um, always performs a lot better in today's age. Uh, why is that, do you think? Uh, it's so strange. The sweetest words to anybody's ears is their name. Uh, okay. And if you also couple that with visuals, like uh, their own LinkedIn profile or their own website, it's insanely attention grabbing. Like attention is the new uh, economy. Like we live in the economy of attention now. So anything that uh, captures your and keeps your attention is important. And personalization helps you do exactly that. Uh, it's really important for us to convey our message. But because everybody is sending cold emails that are just basically just copy paste templates, it's yeah. really difficult to cut through the noise. And uh, this is a really clean way of making sure that your message gets heard and personalization also makes the recipient feel like okay this person has actually gone above and beyond uh, to make this video or message for me so uh, i'm gonna i'm willing to invest time in listening to what they have to say that's a great point you said um with all the great tools out there these days it's easier than ever to get somebody's contact information land up in their inbox uh, show an ad to these people um, the result of this is people are starting to learn how to get really good about uh, blocking out things and cutting out anything that's not yes. uh, that doesn't speak to them and their needs specifically. Uh, so that's Correct. where you know video and personalization become you know really powerful. Um, I guess what other tips would you offer for people to create a a very great engaging video that grabs people's attention and actually converts? Um, it's funny you mentioned that we've been talking about this last week with my team and putting together a guide for all the tips, tricks, tools that we've learned in the last few years. So, so far, Potion has generated million, like four plus million videos uh, for all of our users. And so we have started looking at patterns on what videos do well, uh, what kind of personalization strike the card. So here are the top three things that uh, one should do if they are thinking of using uh, videos as a mean of means of communication. Uh, one is make sure that the video intro has the name of the prospect in it. So that personalization key is extremely, extremely important. Um, when you start your video with, hey, Andy, you're way more likely to consume the entire video as opposed to, uh, hey, I'm Kanad, blah, blah, blah. So, uh, so make sure that you open with the sweetest sound in the world, which is your prospect's name. Uh, make sure that you throw in uh, their website or their profile page on LinkedIn or Facebook uh, in the background as a picture-in-picture -picture mode. So you must have seen like Loom videos where people are like, there's a bubble in the bottom left and there's a uh, screen recording in the background. Uh, if that screen recording is also personalized for the recipient, then they are way more likely to like consume yeah. your message. And the third biggest thing is when you craft your video landing page, um, also throw in CTA buttons or uh, like a Calendly widget or some other widget that is a clear CTA to your message. Uh, uh, so the three biggest tips that uh, we've learned so far that work really well. Great. And what about timing? Uh, obviously, uh, we mentioned people are starred for attention these days. What do you find to be yeah. like the ideal time for a video, especially when it comes to sales outreach? Great question. So it's really subjective. So if you uh, are approaching someone uh, 
And if you want to send them an opener, keep the video short, 30 seconds or less. Uh, but as you get uh, further down the sales cycle, uh, it's okay to send longer videos, especially if, if the prospect is, uh, they are willing to experience your product and want to give it a try. Sometimes you want to send them full-blown demos and those can be longer as well. That's completely fine. Uh, there are some videos that uh, explain the value of your product without the demo, such as case study walkthroughs uh, or presentation walkthroughs that can be longer, one minute to one, one minute 30. Uh, but by and large, if you are approaching someone cold, uh, you want to keep the video as short as possible, uh, 30, minute, 30 seconds to 45 seconds. Uh, that's a great point there. Um, so you have, I know you have a lot of experience with product design. Uh, so what, what kind of tips would you offer for, uh, you know, startups out there that want to go down the path that you have with your startup and developing an MVP product and getting that crucial product market fit? Uh, so <laughs> it's a really, uh, important question, but also very, very difficult. Uh, yep. and I, I need to think on this for a second. So from a design perspective, uh, one of the biggest mistakes that I've seen among my friends and like other founder acquaintances that I have is not looking at design as a function of product. Um, what do I mean by that? So uh, many times when, uh, especially engineers, when they start uh, building things, they just start coding as opposed to actually engineering the product. Uh, so having a proper UX guideline with proper nomenclature, properly organized artboards on your Figma. Uh, you're collaborating with your engineering team on uh, different states of the UI. Uh, if that is not done properly, then it's it's not a good sign. So that's one of the biggest things uh, for when it comes to like design management. On the MVP side, when you are finished with your design, uh, you take that to your friends and just ask them to like click through uh, the click-through prototype and see where they're not clicking, yeah. where you want them to click, but they're not. And it's an unguided experience. And then you realize, okay, this feature or these three sets of features we thought were critical for the MVP, but they weren't. Uh, so you can remove them. Uh, and you'd like boil it down to the absolute essence of one or two features and call that as your MVP. One big thing that people make a common mistakes on with MVP is they think, MVP needs to be crappy, but that's not true. Uh, mm -hmm. Minimum viable doesn't mean poor quality. Uh, it has to be as small as possible from a requirements perspective, but it also has to be highest quality, uh, which means writing the test cases, writing all the uh, flows uh, and logic in, uh, in your designs as well. So that's, that's one other big thing that I've seen uh, people don't do quite well when it comes to MVPs. Yeah, and a lot of times people <clears throat> they'll overbuild it too, right? And they'll yeah. just assume that if you build it, people will come. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and like to be fair, like I've been guilty of that one too many times. Like I've definitely overbuilt uh, over my entire career. Like some of the products that we built were extremely overengineered. Uh, we didn't quite look at the pull from the market either. So uh, I've been guilty of that. I'm pretty sure uh, every developer designer. Uh, is guilty of that as well. But what's important is understanding what the customers want and building it in the most effective way possible. Definitely. Yeah, you don't really understand that too until you start doing it. Then you really get Correct. a feel for it, right? It's not, yes. it's not so much something you can just go read about in a book and really totally just nail it right off the, right off the yes. first. Yes. Yeah. It, you can, there, I mean, you can still read books like 
the lean startup and uh, is the business canvas. Eric Reese wrote the lean startup and the other one, uh, I forget the name uh, oh, of the guy. He was a, sorry, what's that? I like hooked by near EL. Near EL, yep, yeah, yep. That is a good book as well, yes. Uh, I need to like, good thing you mentioned that. I need to reread it because I had read that like a long time ago. <laughs> I do that too, actually. <laughs> yeah. I have like a favorite book that I, you know, I'll reread every every now and then just to kind of bone up on my knowledge yeah. there. Just kind of keep it yeah. <laughs> top of mind. So, you know, all the work that you're doing, even if you, you've read it, you kind of been through it, you lived it, you know it. Yeah. You just want That's to kind true. of that, yourself. So you're so strange that there are, there are a couple books that I have that uh, I read almost every year or every year or every other year and I find new things. It's almost like um, you watch The Godfather a few years, like there's a, you watch it in 2010 and then you watch it in 2015, you have a completely different perspective on the yeah. movie. Uh, there are a couple books that do that for me as well. When I read it the first time, I was a different person. So I applied the knowledge from the book in a different way, but I few years down the road, I just completely, uh, there was a whole new perspective on it, which is pretty cool. That's like me watching uh, Seinfeld now that I've moved to New York City. It's, uh, <laughs> it's different. It's <laughs> making more sense, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's okay. still laughing, but now I really get it. <laughs> um, so what are your thoughts on uh, product-led growth? Um, you know, I, I believe it's, you know, re really, I, I'm a big fan of product-led growth. I think it's one of the, you know, the key marketing strategies today. You know, anything that's yeah. kind of a free growth flywheel that you could build right into the product. Uh, what tips yeah. do you have for that? A, a great question, actually. So uh, to be fully honest, we are actively not trying to build product-led growth at Potion, um, mostly because we are, we work with sales folks and we want to make sure the product speaks for sales folks. So we're intentionally not building product-led growth loops in the product. Having said that, uh, I, I Sometime in the future, PLG is uh, going to be, uh, we, we have to crack that nut sometime in the future. Uh, a couple case studies that I recently uh, was really intrigued about was uh, with Notion. So a Notion, uh, cracked PLG it somewhat accidentally. Uh, the company was about to die. I think the founders moved to Kyoto, Japan uh, to rebuild the company. They started with like a website builder or something like that. Then they built this documenting tool. And uh, some a uh, few influencers picked it up because it was like really cleanly designed, and they started creating templates uh, using Notion and started sharing those templates uh, with their community. And just because you can create templates for anything in your life, such as a travel plan, to a meal plan, to uh, uh, any organization type templates for your life. Uh, people just started creating it. And when you share that template with someone, somebody uses it, they have to sign up on Notion. So that creates this inherent loop that uh, if you want to use this template, you sign up on Notion. And you share that template with your friends, and they sign up. Uh, so it creates this self-fulfilling prophecy where you more content is created just by virtue of using the product. That's a great example of PLG. Um, Another good example was Loom. So when you share someone, uh, yep. share a Loom video with someone, they look at Loom video link and they're like, okay, cool, I can do this as well. Uh, so I, uh, I'll sign up. So uh, that's another good example. Uh, so anybody who is thinking of implementing PLG have, has to think about how you can connect content with product. So what 
stuff you can create with the product uh, that you are building? How is it getting shared? And how are you allowing people who are consuming that content to share that content or to share the tool? Yeah. Uh, so that's the the missing link between PLG and product and content. And it has to be you know done in a way to where it's not too contrived, right? So people Correct, share yeah. willingly because they you know they they want to share a video with somebody. And you know they've made it a really efficient, easy way to do it. And it just makes sense to just drop a link to somebody and say, watch this video. Um, yes. So it works kind of for both sides there. And then the new person being exposed to it says, wow, what is this Loom video thing? This is really interesting. I can use that for myself too. Yes, absolutely. So it, it has to provide value first. Uh, like if you hide, especially like consumer type products, if you hide that content behind uh, a paywall or a sign up wall, then uh, it, it basically detracts people from using your product in the first place, even though they they are not a signed up user. Um, so it's really important to understand, like, can you provide value to your users in any way through content or through something else uh, that encourages them to at least explore your application as opposed to, yeah. uh, okay, I don't need this anymore. Uh, it's asking me to give my email up. Yeah, yeah, especially both sides too, right? The person sharing it has to look good. Um, as the person receiving it too. And the, the worst offenders yes. I see are people that just throw like an invite, invite your friends tool on there and they just assume people are going to use it. <laughs> yes. Although like in all fairness, LinkedIn uh, aggressively used that strategy uh, uh, in the early days. Uh, is basically <laughs> uh, whenever you signed up on LinkedIn, it would automatically send notifications of invitation to everybody in your email contact list. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it worked back in the day because I think they were the very first company to do it. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it'll work <laughs> anymore in this day and age. I don't think anybody is going to care about an invitation from a new social media platform. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I've seen other other companies uh, try to, you know, implement similar tactics, but it's just it's, you know, it's been been there, been done. Nobody wants to, yeah. uh, you know, nobody wants to have you scan their entire email contact list and uh, spam yeah. friends. Uh, that's <laughs> your brand. But to be fair, uh, it's actually not PLG. Like it, the, what LinkedIn did is not yeah. really, uh, I wouldn't consider that product-led growth. Yeah. Uh, you were not necessarily, or the people who were receiving the invitations were not necessarily using the product in order to grow the product. Exactly. Uh, they were getting messaging outside of the product and it was a marketing or a viral hack, if you will, a yeah. growth hack, but it wasn't necessarily PLG. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point there. Yeah, I see. I see this one company. I think it's called Alignable or something, and <clears throat> I get email invitations from them, and it, it just, it's just—it's so off-putting just the way they've done it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm like, I definitely ignore those emails. I, I've trained myself to ignore them when I get them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this person wants to add me to their to their network. I don't even know who this person is. Exactly. I guess what other tips do you offer for startups that are maybe in the early stage, looking to you know get their company out there without you know building their brand in the right way, of course uh it really depends on the stage of the startup uh if you if as a founder if you're at an early early stage like an idea stage the best thing i would suggest is which helped me personally as well is joining on deck fellowship um they're very selective about who they uh, uh like accept in the program but it's essentially a community of very early stage founders who collaborate on different ideas and explore the idea maze to see what what works, what can uh, what businesses have legs, and you also have this community of other people who keep you accountable. Uh, 
So that's like very, very early early stage. That's even before you have a product. Uh, if you have an idea and like if you are working or building uh, your MVP or the first iteration of the product, uh, the time and told advice is uh, just launch. Like whatever you have, just launch either on Reddit or Hacker News, Product Hunt, and you're going to get uh, bashed <laughs> regardless. So uh, just launch. Uh, if anything is like halfway working, just launch it. There is no escaping that. You can't perfect your product anyway. Um, just launch it and eat, eat the rejection, eat the negative comments, feedback, uh, and improve the product. Some people will like it. Some people will hate it. Just follow the people who like it and build the things that they want. And it, the third thing is it's going to take time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's going to take years and years and years of just going uh, and grinding. Uh, we, I know we're out of like the hustle culture, but it, I, I almost feel like we don't talk about hustle culture as much, but uh, it, it does take quite some time for you to like finish even the version one of the product that act that's something that people actually want as opposed to what you call a even. Yeah. Uh, it takes years and years. It's like going to the gym. You're not gonna like get a fit body in like one month. Yeah, overnight. Yeah. Same with the the whole yeah product market fit. Um, that's yeah. why it's key to really get it out there quickly. Get that feedback. Uh, get your feedback loops going. Yes. What customers really like, what they don't like, and optimize mm -hmm. it. And and I really the overnight success really I always say is kind of an overnight decade or maybe an overnight couple of years. It really yes doesn't happen <laughs> initial first product launch. Many times people hear about it when. Uh, when you get all those features and the whole product align with the market's needs, and then you know, then you have those you know viral loops that are in there where people come and try the product, they like it so much, they start telling their friends about it, and it yes. just grows like wildfire. But there's a lot of work that comes into it beforehand that a lot of people don't see. Yeah, I agree with you. I, uh, just take a look at the hottest thing that that's happening right now, like Chat GPT or. Uh, any like OpenAI products. OpenAI has been around for quite some time now. It's not like a new, new company. Although ChatGPT product is only one year old. Yeah. And they had released many other products before, uh, some on the research side, some uh, only for developers like GPT-3. Uh, but ChatGPT hit a home run because they kept on iterating on what yeah. uh, what people wanted and they hit a nerve when they released ChatGPT. So it was a long time before uh, before ChatGPT was even built, so uh, it, there's no overnight success in this in this industry. Yeah, that's the thing about like timing PR and uh, when you launch actually officially launch your company too, right? So yeah, it's good to launch it into these other entrepreneur communities, get feedback from you know even early customers or other people that know what to look for, right? Other entrepreneurs yeah. can kind of through it. Um, and once you feel like you've got that product market fit, then you can do the press release blast and, you know, maybe throw a launch party, get your t-shirts and business. Yeah. <laughs> I met, you know, I've been there before actually years and years ago, but you get yeah, your so excited for your first startup and you get your business cards and t-shirt and then wait, our product doesn't work. No, we, we don't have any customers. <laughs> Why are we spend all that money on all, all those t-shirts? <laughs> it's so funny you mentioned that. Like we have, we haven't created and shared any swag t-shirts, yeah. hats, or anything like that for Potion at all. Like, uh, we're keeping, we're saving that for like a really big moment. Uh, like next year, we'll raise our next round of funding. And once that happens, uh, then I can say, go to my team, like, hey, we worked for three, four years as hard as we could. 
and here's a t-shirt <laughs> as a reminder of that, as opposed to uh, using swag as to, to kind of market uh, your product. Uh, we almost wanted uh, to uh, like to remind us that, okay, we've come a long way ever since we started. And it's a sense for grounding yourself too, right? Don't celebrate, be, you know, before the, uh, uh, before you've had that victory moment. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. So I guess what, what do you think causes most startups to fail uh, based on your experience? Um, lacking the appropriate listening skills uh, and lacking perseverance uh, or other persistence. Um, I think those are probably the two biggest. Uh, so I agree. But listening skills, I mean, not listening to your customers on what they are telling you. They, they may not be explicit about what they want, like the feature or feature extension or a completely new product, but uh, not listening to and understanding like their needs uh, is probably the biggest killer. Uh, if you ask this question to a VC, they might have a different answer. They might say, okay, founder split up is a, uh, like is the main answer, but I I really believe it's if you are persistent and keep on pushing, keep on updating the product, and just not give up. Someday, like light is gonna break, and someday you're gonna find the things that you're building are resonating with a group of people, and that's your startup. So yeah. uh, not listening to your users and customers, uh, and not being persistent enough. Um, just grinding through that tough times is probably the biggest, uh, are the biggest reasons for startup failures. Yeah, and especially in the early days. And that's what, you know, they say the word vision, that's what it really is, right? It's knowing yeah. you know, what you're trying to get and knowing, seeing the steps right in front of you that you have to, you have to take one at a time to kind of get to that, that vision further on down the, down the road. But you never get there unless you're empathetic with your customers' needs. Correct, and yeah. Your point, the worst way to kill a startup is to, you know, build something for what you think the problem is and how you think you want to solve it. That's a very engineering approach too. Yeah. Uh, as I mean, like granted, almost every startup starts like that. Uh, yeah. Like they, people are like, oh, I think this is a problem that uh, I can fix in this way. Uh, yeah. Most of the times they're wrong. Uh, I've been wrong like that many times. <laughs> but yeah. then the customer tells you like, hey, I actually don't want this, but I want that. And you build it. If you don't build it, your startup will die. Yeah. Yeah. And so what's, uh, I guess, what's next for Potion over the next few years? What are you guys excited about and uh, working on over there that you could actually share with us without you know, giving away too many details? Yeah. <laughs> well, fair enough. So, um, um, yeah, this is like a near and dear topic. Uh, Potion is actually a, a platform for generative video and audio content. So think of us like chat GPT, but for videos, although we are starting with a very specific use case for sales, um, the same AI can be used for a variety of things like turning English videos into any other language or uh, creating hyper-personalized video ads for YouTube or uh, creating education content that is specifically tailored for each child. So, uh, or turning, uh, anime into uh, accurate lip sync in other languages because yeah, uh, nobody wants to have dubbed anime. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, <laughs> terrible. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so uh, stuff like that is actually uh, possible using the same AI, but uh, we, have, we have to build tooling to allow people to build this on top of our AI. So uh, in the next three to five years, we're gonna productionize 
a platform play. That means uh, brokering an API and SDK or third-party integrations that people can build their own businesses on top of. And that's what I'm really, really excited about. So our sales use case brings in the bread, but uh, next year onwards, we're going to start releasing uh, more and more products that are geared towards allowing people to build applications and businesses using the core functionality of Potion, which is the video and audio synthesis just using text input. So that's what I'm really excited about. That's the first part. The second thing is, sorry, I'm taking too long. It's uh, <laughs> your show. I'm going to that. The second part is uh, also really, really critical for us to uh, get right uh, from the like from the early stages is making sure that the content and video and audio stuff that is being produced or synthesized is good. What do I mean by what do I mean by good? Um, if somebody's making malicious content or misinformation, disinformation, uh, using someone else's face voice uh, as identity um, and trying to fake uh, being someone else, how can we detect that type of content? How can we prevent those bad actors from creating and distributing more of this malicious content? Uh, those types of problems are really, really hairy. And yeah. none of the startups that are working in this space are actually taking it as seriously as they should. No. Like, for example, like there's a company called Synthesia, and they're uh, like AI, they create AI avatar, AI faces essentially. Uh, and one of their AI faces was used to spread disinformation. Uh, I think it was early this year. Uh, so we don't want people to create bad content, but we want to make sure that whatever content that they create or update, it mm -hmm. can be done, that can be done as easily as possible using AI. So how can we ethically build the AI while preventing bad use cases? That's one other big thing a big initiative that we will take on in 2024. That's huge. And I'm glad that you guys see that opportunity too, because I do see that as a problem. So many people are rushing towards how to you know, implement AI. Not a lot of people are standing back and saying, well, think about all the negative yeah. that you could pot potentially have from AI as well and developing a solution around it, which I think there's going to be a huge market for that. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. And just from like outside of the market, like even from a, this is not coming from a business perspective, but it just makes like why would you want to like allow people to create malicious content like as a company it's your responsibility uh to make sure that you're producing good stuff as opposed to bad stuff in the yeah. world it just uh it's a uh, it's a strange place to be uh, there is a market for creating bad content as well yeah, <laughs> uh, how do we uh, how do we actually make sure that we are not causing um are putting uh, putting that out there. That's one of the biggest concerns uh, for me personally. Um, yeah, it's a very interesting problem as well. Like creating identities uh, that that are basically uh, unique to a user. Yeah. It's a very interesting problem with the face and voice biometrics. Uh, doing it efficiently. Uh, one of the things that we do right now at Potion is we don't allow you to upload videos and then personalize them or then customize them. So you can't upload Joe Biden's video and yeah. then make Joe Biden say anything. <laughs> That's uh, what I'm worried about. <laughs> yeah. So uh, as a company policy, and we've turned down business, uh, we've literally quote unquote fired customers because the, they weren't using the platform in the right way. Be, uh, 
because we stand by this like we want people to create authentic content so as a user you can only record yourself using your webcam uh-huh. that's it you can't uh, upload somebody else's face and make them say anything that's a uh, not just a business policy but an ethics policy that we enforce quite uh, uh, quite literally uh, in our company as well I'm glad you guys are taking a stand on it you know I uh, love your guys' product, uh, love what your company stands for as well, aside from just the business, but from the ethics standpoint as well, too. Um, you know, would be happy if anybody from uh, the Nacho Nacho community supported your guys' business. Uh, please check it out today. It's in the Nacho Nacho marketplace. Um, you can get a, I think it's a pretty nice discount there, 25% off lifetime. Uh, personalize your videos, uh, get better conversions. Uh, check out Potion today and Nacho Nacho's B2B SaaS marketplace. Uh, once again, Kanad, thanks so much for coming on today. This was a fun conversation. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thanks again for having me. Uh, I really appreciate it. Likewise, bud. Take care. Bye, Bye now. Take care. Cool. Um,